because she is a healer as I am. She just does it in a, in a way that is different. She primarily works with the body, which of course addresses emotions and everything else. I primarily help people with their emotions and their mind, but of course it affects the body. So I want to set the stage for what this conversation is all about. Align with Lina is nothing more than an opportunity for me to bring ordinary people who just like me have undergone an extraordinary spiritual awakening. You see, we're in the middle of a shift in consciousness. That means that a lot of people are waking up and it's ordinary people. It's not just the saints and the sages. It is ordinary people like you and I. And Allison has gone through an incredible transformation and I've been able to witness her transformation over the past year because she has been a student in my one-year mastery program. So it is with much excitement, and I am thrilled to gift you this, this incredible conversation so that you can glean some wonderful nuggets to have you, Allison, be here with me. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yes, and I know I call you Allie, but yes. for people who are watching this, <laughs> if they're going to look for you on Facebook, they're, they're going to know you as Allison. Yes. Um, so let me start with where I start with everybody. Okay. When did you begin to realize that there was more to life, like that there was more that you could sense, but maybe that your mind had not been conditioned to believe was there? When, when was that time frame for you? So I actually moved from Chicago to Georgia in 2013. And I think that move was the catalyst to my spiritual awakening. It was an interesting situation. I just, you know, I got in the kid, car with my kids and I was driving to visit my parents in Florida. And we stopped in Marietta to see a friend I hadn't seen in about five years. And um, we were in town 18 hours maybe. <laughs> and as we were getting in the car the next morning to keep driving to Florida, my daughter said to me, she said, why do we live in Illinois? And it was like a light bulb went off in my head because I had wanted to leave Illinois for eight years and got caught up in businesses, in life, and just distracted from ever asking myself, was I happy with I want? And so with that one question, we had a six-hour drive down to Florida, and the kids and I talked and decided we would move to Georgia. Um, and the stars started to line at that moment. It was really interesting because at the time, um, I had joint custody of my kids with my ex and needed permission to be able to leave. And the traditional relationship situation had not been one of cooperation. <laughs> so I didn't anticipate that was going to be an easy thing to get permission to leave. Um, but we got out the car in Florida and within two hours had called him. My parents thought we'd gone crazy because um, this was a, a complete and sudden shift that happened in six hours with the kids. And um, he agreed. He said, okay, fine, we'll let you leave. So that was in April of 2013. We lived here in June. So it was one of those jump off a cliff moments. So I dismantled my business in, um, in Illinois, sold, we had a big four bedroom farmhouse. We had a whole farm of animals. <laughs> my daughter had a 50 chicken um, egg business. Like we had a whole life to find perfect homes for these animals. And it was, in that moment too, that things started to align because we found um, a minister and his wife who wanted to retire and start a hobby farm. And they ended up taking most of our animals. And um, in the two months it took us to actually leave, they got to transition the animals to their farm. And we witnessed one of our goats who was not supposed to be pregnant. We tried to get her pregnant and that said not. 
gave birth to a little beautiful baby goat and they had us come out to meet it. It was just all these things that you don't think when you're trying to take your life apart will be easy. And it all did. It just started in that moment to flow. And um, even coming down here, I was trying to find a house and I had two months to find it and was having trouble and met a gentleman in um, Seed in East Cobb who ended up um, through a conversation, he needed a tax write-off. He bought me a house and let me rent it back from him, which when does that ever happen? So, <laughs> and he gave me a choice of like pick five and I'll get one for you. Um, and I had enrolled the kids in school and it happened that the house he got um, was also the home of my daughter's high school's equestrian team. And we came down with a horse. So it was a whole, just the stars kept one after the other, making it easy for me to make this life work, yeah. which if I had thought in two months, I'd learn how to just dismantle my entire life and start it over somewhere and launch another new company. Um, it was, it was crazy. The amount of things that happened. So I remember staying at the saying at the time, the stars have all aligned for this to actually be possible. And there were so many more levels of that. Those, those are just the ones I can think of off the top of my head. Yes. And that, that is so amazing. And by the way, if anybody is watching this live and you want to post some questions, by all means, feel free to do that because this is an interactive conversation. That's how we like to do it. So here you've said so many wonderful things. So <laughs> I want to be able to tie that together yeah. for people who are going through experiences when they feel a nudge to, to make a change. Mm -hmm. When we're going through our awakening, the, the, the information, the key comes to us in so many different ways. It can come in a dream. It can come through a conversation with a friend. It can come through a child asking a very innocent yeah. question. Yeah. Why do we live in Illinois? Mm -hmm. So if we are open to hearing those little nudges, yes. inevitably the universe conspires to put the pieces together because when mm -hmm. we follow the will of the creator, everything unfolds with fun and ease. Yeah. And in the moment that you might've experienced the stress because your mind wasn't conditioned to, to go, Oh yeah, I'm going to leave and everything is going to align. Oh yeah. Um, you put that mind aside and you let things flow. Mm -hmm. And that was just such a, such a cool example yeah. of you following guidance, following that inner mm -hmm. nudge. And by the way, that that's what this program is about. We are being called to align with something inside of us, something within us that is also what knows everything around us. Mm -hmm. This source of all that is, is aware of everything that is, and it links the pieces together. We don't really have to do that. We just have to be available to say yes and move with, with the call. When, when you are invited into an expansion state, the, where you're expanding to shows up for you. You don't have to, to do that part. So pieces align. Mm -hmm. And what typically happens when I observe that people follow that initial call, we make the changes and then inevitably our mind begins to activate our old thought patterns, our mm -hmm. old conditioned beliefs. So take us through those first couple of years that you're here, things unfold yeah. with ease. And mm -hmm. then how did things begin to not be so easy or so fun for you? Yeah, so it was interesting. I don't know that I think it was a conscious awakening to come here, but I knew that where I was was kind of a crushing life and that everything was happening to me and I was a victim of my life. And and it was that, you know, everything was falling apart and a mess and hard and, and life was kind of miserable. And I think I really thought 
um, it would change. I just need to get away from where I was. I didn't even know what I was doing, but it was this calling to do something. So that was really following that instinct of getting here and then being amazed at how it all flowed. And then it was, it was good for a few years. And then um, the dynamics, um, it circles back to my biggest teacher, one of my biggest teachers, my ex-husband. Mm -hmm. And um, and the, the challenges and opportunities for growth that he's presented have been immense. <laughs> Well, and, yes, uh, as you've learned, yes. when, when we move through this journey, uh, the people in our lives become incredible teachers. And if yeah. we if we listen to the signs in the beginning, it's mm -hmm. not so clear that they're teaching us things, right. that they're actually opening up doors. They're mm -hmm. they're removing barriers to our box. Mm -hmm. um, so yes. as those barriers are seen and we we face them and we can move through them, right. we move out mm -hmm. of the box. Yeah. So what were some of the ways you're your former husband became a teacher for you? Um, just in, in the dynamic of how we parented together, and um, he was not necessarily a supportive parent. And so a lot fell on me, and um, I felt very much trapped in that role, unsupported, a big imbalance, and um, really stressed as everything was, you know, as a single parent and we had joint custody and I was expecting there to be more of a balance to what we did. And that, that never worked that way. I can look back on it now and see um, that I think it needed to be that way for me to, to actually force myself to grow out of my comfort zone and, and become who I needed to become. And yeah. without being that uncomfortable and that angry and that, victimized as I felt it at the time, it wouldn't have forced me to look any further. Well, and you're saying something that's so key because our comfort zone is a place we don't want to leave. Mm -hmm. We all create this, this, what in hindsight we realized was a, a false sense of comfort. Yeah. We, we get conditioned. Our mind mm -hmm. gets conditioned to believe that you need this and that and the other yeah. to be comfortable. And when we acquire this, that, and the other, we mm -hmm. think we're comfortable. Yeah. But then this, that, and the other begins to change. Mm -hmm. It begins to to fluctuate. Your business mm -hmm. that you thought was comfortable changed before. Yeah. Then your husband is changing. He's yeah. becoming somebody else. Yeah. You're changing, becoming mm -hmm. somebody else. So what used to fit together is no longer fitting together. But the mind that is conditioned to want to hold it together mm -hmm. for our comfort hasn't caught up with yeah. what's happening. Yeah. So then of course have to come the uncomfortable lessons to mm -hmm. force us right to see things differently yeah what were some of the the big lessons that he taught you that again all of this by the way is happening in hindsight right. she didn't know this when it was happening yes. she is realizing this as she's connecting the dots yeah but what were some of the things that you became aware of so many things were, were just devastating to me and and the horse um, some of it ties around the horse. So um, our horse, when we moved down here, um, had gotten very sick and almost died and ended up at UGA and quarantine and the whole thing. It ended up being saved, but was very expensive process. And um, in that, that moment, the horse ended up after probably three or four months of recovery, then needed an additional surgery. And so... I had anticipated that my ex-husband would financially help with that in the sense that what I needed was a co-signature on a line of credit. I didn't need his cash. I needed his credit. And um, 
the way the surgeries work for the worst, you have to pay for everything up front, and then whatever they don't use, you get reimbursed, but you can't even have the surgery without the money up front. So I kind of thought this was a no no challenge. Something or That's my daughter, daughter's, my daughter's horse. horse. Yeah. yeah. I thought this isn't a challenge. This is a signature. This will save her horse. This will be, you know, easy. And so I anticipated that there'd be no, no discrepancy in our view mm-hmm. on this. Mm-hmm. And he basically said, absolutely not. If you can't afford it, then maybe the horse shouldn't be part of your life anyway. And, um, he basically said, it's not my problem. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's kind of a giant dynamic between my daughter and my ex-husband as well, because she couldn't understand why he wouldn't help either. So, but I got off track a little bit with that. But the interesting part of that was in the moment, I felt so helpless, devastated, furious, like all of the ego moments came right up. And I thought, how dare he not be able to see this and help our daughter? And I was at the barn crying and a woman in the barn who we didn't know well came up to me and said, what's wrong? And I, of course, went with my story, right? You know, because it was so raw, so emotional. And she said, no worries, I'll pay for it. You can pay me back. And I kind of was just taken back. and like, why would she help us? But sure enough, that very next day, we had a check. And it was like $3,500. She gave a check. She actually helped transport our horse to UGA because the trailer I owned, the horse was terrified and wouldn't get in it. Bought us a brand new trailer, and the horse had nothing to do with that either. So, it, in a way, it almost all worked out the way it needed to work out because I couldn't have gotten my horse there in my does. trailer, right? And I ended up selling my trailer and paid her back within about, you know, I think I told her I needed about six weeks to, to sell my trailer, sold it in two, and had her paid back. And it was just all so very easy. Um, Let me ask you in the universe, well, yeah, again. what was. <laughs> In that moment, Mm -hmm. because you were in that perfect place of Mm -hmm. this fresh rejection from your ex-husband. Yeah. The ego getting all upset, judging Mm -hmm. him, Mm -hmm. thinking all of these terrible things about him. Yeah. And then there is this moment of grace. Mm -hmm. You're presented with grace while you have grievances in your mind. Yes. And you got them both at the same time. Yeah. What were you making of those two distinct experiences that were happening inside of you at the same time? Um, I thought it was amazing the kindness of strangers and how that people don't need to be your blood or your, your relationship to offer help and to support in ways that are just outstanding, like beyond. You know, it just was one of those things that I thought, okay, we land in this barn for a reason, and here's another reason of why we were supposed to be here. And I just could see that. Um, my ego did kick up more, and it, you know, the, the kinder other people were, the more I really was like, my husband's terrible. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of more things I thought about him than that. But so it, the more I could see the gifts of the universe and the, the kindness of other people, the more I couldn't understand his role in my life. I'm like, how could I pick this guy? You know, so it was very interesting because the, the more awake I became on one side, the more the ego f- jumped up and fought and it was trying to keep that anger piece going. But it, it gets even more interesting because the woman that ended up, you know, starting this relationship with me about paying for the horse and, and then paying her back, um, it turned out that four years later, um, I would end up selling my horse to her. And um, I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit. When the horse was done with surgery, needed to recover for a while. 
she ran a therapy riding program at the barn. And as it turns out, my horse's destiny was therapeutic riding. He did what he did with us. We fox hunted, we did eventing, we did lots with him and he was wonderful, but he had a passion for the therapy children. And so while he was recovering, um, the therapy kids would come and pet him and talk to him. He was, his recovery stall was right outside the therapy riding arena. <laughs> and so when it was all said and done and he could actually go back to work, she approached me and said, my kids in the therapy room fall in love with your horse. Can we help you rehab him? And again, it was another gift because I was working full time, two kids that didn't drive, that went a bunch of different directions. I didn't know how to get to the barn every day to hand walk my horse three times a day. Mm -hmm. So she stepped up and offered this. And in turn, our horse started to work for the therapy program and they just walked with him. That was all he could you know, really do. And that's all he really needed. Um, but I'll, I'll jump forward again to four years later. Uh, I sold him to them because he had become their Special Olympics horse. And he traveled through Georgia with Special Olympics, you know, being the horse these kids competed on. And it was his true calling. He would light up the therapy kids in, in that work, which he never did for us. And my daughter was heading to college, and I was so busy with my business that it was one of those things where that was the right thing to let him go do what he really dreamed of doing. So he now lives in Canton with this wonderful um, woman that has taken over his care. And an additional piece of this is he recently has been diagnosed with a degenerative spinal condition and can no longer be ridden and she has guaranteed him home for life. Wow. So he landed exactly where he needed to be. And if my husband hadn't denied exactly. that payment, I wouldn't have gotten there. Exactly. So it's, again, in hindsight, you can look at these pieces and be grateful for it. But in the moment, it was crushing to me and that he wouldn't yeah. support it. But now I can look back at it with gratitude that he did what he did. And this is, again, one of those crucial moments where we have to really understand that when we answer the call to awaken, literally everything that is part of our sphere is going to be moved to be placed exactly where it's meant to be. Now, not everybody will know that. It's possible that her husband may not know that he is being moved somewhere else. He may not be conscious for, about that, or maybe he is. And it's not our job to figure out that everybody is needs to understand what's going on. But even the horse is being moved to, to fulfill on its true calling. So how wonderful mm -hmm. that you were able to, to see that. Yeah. Because some of the most important things in my life happened when somebody else said no to me, because mm -hmm. when they said no to me and I saw that as, well, you're shutting a door and I'm sitting there banging on the door, <laughs> let me back in. Right. The universe is saying, turn around, girl. That mm -hmm. door was shut to something smaller. Right. Turn around. Yeah. You have been released to yeah. something bigger. But these are things that you aren't aware of. And it has to come through that whole process of breaking down, breaking open, um, realizing in a, almost in a hindsight effect, you grow more. Yes. Because I can look back now and realize that a lot of the gifts and a lot of the awareness I have, um, my spiritual connections, my intuition, all of that was from when I was very small, but it was conditioned out of me. And it was squashed because the people around me weren't conscious and awake. Absolutely. And so I shut that down for a very long time. And then eventually... Um, when it did crack open, I could see how it had been fighting its way to the surface for a while. And I can look back on things and go, oh my gosh, I remember hearing 
a voice of guidance and I followed it, but didn't know why, didn't, and thought, this is, I'm a fool for blindly following this. You know, it was really, it was just a super interesting process to be able to look back and see that my awareness of it didn't really start till I got here in Georgia, but in hindsight, it was probably a good 10 years earlier oh, that had really yeah. been fighting, like going, Allie, we got attention to what we're doing here and that's that's the voice that we're aligning to Mm -hmm. which is the voice of our true self our soul our spirit the authenticity inside of us is always connected to the source that created us Mm -hmm. see we we think of ourselves as being these individuals with these bodies separate from one another but we're made of energy and that Mm -hmm. energy is interconnected yeah. So the greater part of us is actually outside of this physical vessel. We have mm-hmm. a part of it in here, but every one of us has a Mokaba. Um, it's a, it's a vehicle that we ride in. It's an energy vehicle that extends about eight meters around mm-hmm. us. So we have this infinite field of energy supporting us. Yeah. Well, that external energy is 90%, if not more, of the energy that we are. Mm-hmm. So we're listening to a faint calling. But when the awakening call comes, that energy outside of us, that soul that is connected to everything else, gets really loud. Yes. It wants our attention. It mm-hmm. wants us to snap out of this illusion that we're just these finite bodies. Right. That we're here just to fulfill on a human purpose. Mm-hmm. We're here to fulfill on a divine purpose of the uses as human vessel as an expression. Yeah. And that's what you were, the pieces were lining for you. Your horse mm-hmm. is a divine being that needed to be expressing itself in, in the mm-hmm. therapy world, in right. the Olympics world, you know, special Olympics world. Yeah. But its vessel was constrained by your thoughts of what a horse should do for you. Yes. And yeah. so were you and your children and everybody else. Mm-hmm. So now you're listening, you're paying more attention, you're connecting dots. This mm-hmm. is quite a few years have passed. Yeah. You're seeing the beauty of all of that. Yeah. Then what propelled you to become a lot more deliberate about your your spiritual awakening? Because becoming self-aware mm-hmm. is a deliberate choice. Yes. Yeah, it is. Um, I was aware that a lot of gifts I had were developing. I think I want to understand more about how those could be used to benefit others and myself. What else was out there for me? I just had this sort of craving for more knowledge and more understanding of how um, I could manifest things, how I could be more open and receptive and just receive more of the gifts. And I also wanted to, um, there's a conscious parenting part of it too. I had realized that a lot of the things that had been set, up in my life that had kind of um, put blocks and preconceived ideas and all of that stuff into me that I was fighting my way past, I had probably also instilled in my children already. And so I wanted an you opportunity. Did. I absolutely <laughs> did. <laughs> I wanted an opportunity to show, um, I, and I think actually I thought I could just flip a switch and change that. And I didn't realize that, no, they've got to work through their blocks and their issues like I did, but I can be a more conscious parents and parent and a better influence around them and get them there faster. Exactly. I didn't have a team of people like my parents or anybody that were conscious to guide me. It happened when I started meeting all of my friends and all these other conscious people and feeling the energy forces and 
and in realizing that by surrounding myself with people who are vibrating at the higher frequency, I was evolving and changing. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to be able to do that for my kids. So it was just sort of a, it was a multi-level reason for doing it. And, um, you know, from a personal and a business um, and just a soul level, I just wanted to know as much as I could know. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, I can't remember. Did you come to my Conscious Parenting Workshop? I did not. You were not. Oh, okay. no. I had a conflict that day. Yeah. I was sad I couldn't get there. <laughs> no, that's yes. all right. But we've had so many wonderful conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, that is exactly um, mm -hmm. what we have to do when we be, become more conscious. Yeah. Our work is not to take our kids um, lessons away from them to, right. to like tell them this is what you're supposed to do and, and yeah. shift their lives. Yeah. Everybody has free will. Yeah. Everybody signs up to mm -hmm. come in and have their human experience however supposed to happen. Yeah. Our work is to be listening to the guidance and go with it. Mm -hmm. If we have conscious parents, they train us to listen to that inner voice. If our yeah. parents are unconscious, which means they, they lost their connection, mm -hmm. It doesn't go away. They're just not activating yeah. it because, well, we get taught that God is outside of us. And once yeah. we begin to believe God is outside of us, mm -hmm. we don't go inside mm -hmm. for the answers. We go inside to bitch, moan, and complain yes. about why <laughs> we don't have what we want, but we don't go right. inside to to have that connection, that meditation, mm -hmm. that prayer that, that aligns us. Yeah. But that conscious parenting is a big piece because mm -hmm. not only does it help and I, I want you to speak to this, mm -hmm. it helps us heal our experience with our parents. Yes. Because it allows us to work through mm -hmm. what happened right. uh, in our childhood. Mm -hmm. And then we can then become truly more present yeah. to being a conscious parent for our children. Yeah. Share a little bit about that that shift that happened because you saw you see yourself between your parents and your children. Absolutely. I am. Um, and mm -hmm. I had a, an incredible experience where that became so clear. Mm -hmm. My mom was passing away at the time that my daughter was 14 years old. Mm -hmm. And I, I was right in the middle of her, that generation passing mm -hmm. and this new generation emerging to take their own place in life. Yeah. And I can't remember who was the singer, but there was a song that said, and, and it was just so beautiful. It was like it was written for me, although it had been written many, many years mm -hmm. earlier. The song spoke to, um, you know, my my beautiful daughter. Here I stand in the middle of you at 14 mm -hmm. and my mother who's dying. Right. And I'm listening to the words of that song and I'm going, that's me. I'm mm -hmm. in the middle of a daughter who's 14 and a mom who's dying. Yeah. And I had to come to a place of forgiveness for what I you know, for what my parents did, yeah. but also forgiving myself as a powerful being that I am, that was mm -hmm. awakening, yeah. forgiving myself for forgetting yeah. that we all choose this journey, right? that we all participate, mm -hmm. we all play a role. And so did my daughter. Yeah. So then instead of needing to wake her up, mm -hmm. I realized, oh, wow, I have to respect your journey. Yes. That's the biggest shift that happens that particular for me because um, I remember that I was raised in you know an environment where um, it was never quite good enough, never quite smart enough. Parents know best, you know. Children are better um, seen than heard. Like you know, it, it was you know it, that sounds terrible, but it was it was a very controlled yeah. environment. Ditto. And you did what was expected of you, and there was. A, 
a projected path of what your life was supposed to look like. And um, I kind of didn't follow that particularly well. And it was, it was a difficult path to be a little more unique. And, and even in my own belief of what my life should look like, you know, as I've just had another birthday, I'm like, okay, I didn't expect my life would look like this, right? You know, you still have, even though I've evolved a lot, there is that life track that plays in my head of what I thought my life was going to look like all along. And so when you can step outside of all of that and say, okay, um, I know why I have these preconceived ideas. I'm forgiving myself, but I'm also looking at my parents and able to say, I can forgive them because they were programmed before exactly. they were living out what they were supposed to live out so that I could learn what I needed to learn. And maybe I can lift enough to help them learn something else too. It goes both ways. It so does. in seeing that, then I can look at my children and say, I don't know what their best path is. Yeah. All I can do is help them to see they have choices and to empower them to choose for themselves. Yeah. And I will be here to support that, answer questions, and offer them what guidance I can. But ultimately, it needs to be their choice of their path. And it's an entirely different parenting strategy than I had for the first, oh, my gosh, <laughs> our, our parenting years of their life, yeah. you know. The parenting yeah. strategy that you and I got mm -hmm. is what was modeled for us, which yes. is parent knows best. Yes. And you, Missy, you, you know, little boy, you, you give up your dream. You give up what you want because yeah. we're going to tell you what's best for you. Yeah. You better now, make my life comfortable and don't act up. And, absolutely. And all that. So. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. So, so the love that we are taught by our parents is, is a conditional love yes. because it is, we have to perform to make them feel mm -hmm. comfortable with what they did mm -hmm. to make them feel safe um, in terms of feeling secure that their place in heaven has been guaranteed by how we become. Yeah. Um, so there are so many things that are so conditional, but all of this is happening at such a subconscious level mm -hmm. that my mom would never be able to tell you that her controlling behaviors were only to to prevent her from feeling the fears exactly that she had yeah yeah and that's it you do suddenly realize that the things that are put in place are are hiding their their the ways they feel they're not enough and that they don't have the skills and they don't have their own self-worth and the fears and all of that so when you can look at your parents with that lens mm -hmm. um it shifts everything well, it's a lens, totally, it's a lens of compassion. Mm -hmm. It's a lens of equality mm -hmm. because it moves them off of that pedestal that right. you knew better yeah. and it brings them down. Mm -hmm. And it also shifts our children from we know better and it brings them up and allows yeah. everybody. And I can now look equal. at my children as teachers that yeah. have shown up for me as well, which is a really interesting way to look at it. Like I love sometimes the stuff my kids will say or their perspective on life because I start to want to react with that conditioning and then I kind of catch myself and go, oh wait a minute. Okay. All right, let's look at this from their viewpoint. That's an interesting way to look at it. And I never would have really thought about that. But yeah. wow, I think they've got something here. And so it opens me up more. Um mm -hmm. it's just a really it's a lovely way to look at it, a much better way to parent. And then it also becomes glaringly obvious though when I slip back into my patterns yes. and somebody didn't do the dishes and I'm all pissed off and I become this like, well, you, you know, and I'm judging them for that. And I'm like, all right, yeah, you just slip back into unconscious parenting and they didn't make, you know, they didn't make you comfortable. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it, 
not, you know, I'm not a hundred percent. I'm aware, but I still have behavior yes. triggers and things that, that let me slip back, but I can see it more easily and bring oh, it yeah. back up. And Oh my gosh, um, that journey for me had, had to yeah. have been a 10, 12, 13 year journey yeah. until I got so grounded mm-hmm. in, in knowing the truth that, yeah. that those things don't really become triggers. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I love to give people examples of, because mm-hmm. we don't come to these things by ourselves. Right. This is a process where we're assisting each other. What were some of the books, some of the teachings, some of the, um, the influences that you had that helped you connect dots, that helped you move down this path? So even before I had become aware that I was becoming aware or conscious, there was a book that I felt, if I were to name the one pinnacle book that I read, mm-hmm. was See the Soul by Gary Zukav. Oh, I love Gary Zukav. Way before I had any idea what I was even reading, somebody mm-hmm. handed it to me and said, you should read this book. Yes. And I think that was the book that shifted my mindset in a way that made me think, okay, maybe this isn't all my fault. Like, you know, maybe this is, this life is, there's something more about this. The people around me are, are behaving the way they're behaving. Mm -hmm. And that book explained a lot of the behaviors people have in the exhibits Mm -hmm. or the way they exhibit ego behavior and, and all that. And so I thought it, it wasn't, I didn't fully understand at the time. I should go back and read it again because yes. I think it'd be really interesting. But it, it was one of those turning points. And then another turning point, um, it wasn't a book, but it was a medical moment. So I was going spontaneously blind. And it was happening because of my exorbitant level of stress due to not being aligned with my true self, <laughs> which I can see now. But in the time, the medical community was, um, they believed I had a brain tumor. Oh, boy. So I went through a lot of testing to determine whether I had a brain tumor or not. Not that that one adds stress to your life, too. Right? So the interesting thing is when they finished all of these, the $10,000 of medical testing, I was sitting in the doctor's office, and he said, he said, you're like a triathlete on paper. Just, There's nothing wrong with your body. He said... <laughs> And this was what was, I, I credit this doctor because he looked at me and said, are you happy? Wow. And that was like somebody just ripped all the duct tape off every open sore I had in my body. And I just dissolved into tears in his office because I had never asked myself that question. I'd never considered that because I was the last one on the list. I'm taking care of two kids, a husband, a job. I'm doing, you know, a thousand things and whether I was happy or not, never even factored into the equation. So mm-hmm. with that one question, mm-hmm. he ripped my my life wide open. Yeah. And I thought, oh my God. He, he was one of those gifts. He was a gift. Like your friend yeah. when you came to yeah. Georgia, like the woman who yes. helped you with the horse. Yeah. This doctor, all of mm-hmm. these, these opportunities show up at the right and perfect time yeah. to give us Exactly what you just said, an opportunity to break us open, to yes. rip off the the mask that we mm-hmm. build, to rip off the, the false sense of comfort. Yeah. It was totally a mask. That is the right word because I remember in, there was something about the Gary Zukav book in that moment in time. They were not far apart yeah. that that book came into my life and the doctor asked that. And I remember thinking to myself, I've been wearing a mask of who I think yeah. everybody wanted me to be. And it was a projection of what I thought I was supposed to be to make everybody love me, mm-hmm. to make myself worthy, to have 
the things in my life that I thought were supposed to be what I wanted. And it was really an interesting thing. It was a big projection of, of expectation, yeah. but unfulfilled, unmeaning, unimportant stuff that I had just it acquired is. because that's what, like clothing, like, you know, you're supposed to wear this for this sporting event. Well, this is all the things I thought I was supposed to wear for the life I was supposed to have. And so I had, had just kind of gone with that. And suddenly in that one moment, it was like, oh, my God. Wow. And it just it rips us open. Yeah. And here's another really important piece that I want to um, interject. We get conditioned to believe by people who are totally unconscious of who they mm. are, totally not aligned with the essence of who they are. We get conditioned to believe that we are supposed to be doing half certain things, mm -hmm. become certain things to find happiness. Yeah. That sends us on a journey of seeking. There's always this, this carrot dangling on a string on a stick in front of us that no matter how much we continue to move on that path of chasing that happiness, we're never going to reach it. Yes. It's impossible to reach it because mm -hmm. it's so elusive. Right. It was supposed to come with a husband. It was supposed to come with a job. <laughs> it was supposed to come with the kids. It was supposed right. to come with a career, the money, the this, yes. the that, the other. Right. And none of those things mm -hmm. can hold what actually has been inside of us. Right. So this journey of aligning is to rip open yeah. all of this bullshit that we've been trained to believe. Mm -hmm. And bullshit is actually a terminology, BS, mm -hmm. stands for the belief systems that is ingrained in us about how who we're supposed to be that actually acts as a block to our remembering our awareness of who we actually are as this essence as this soul as a spirit that is here to have a divine experience in this vessel mm -hmm. so that book transforms you the seat of the soul by gary zukoff yeah. and you've got you go to this doctor that asks you a, a profound question you mm -hmm. know about your happiness yeah um then what happens um, so it's interesting because that's almost where then everything, you know, life crushes you at times. So when you finally say, am I happy? And the realization is no, then how do you get to where happy is? How do you know what happy is? Because if everything you thought you were supposed to have isn't it, then how do you find your way out of that? And what is and it? it? Yeah. Yes. And it tends to be, a um, everything is ripped away. Everything breaks. Everything is just painful and crushing and, it breaks you down until you can see and then you build yourself back up. So I think, you know, I ended up getting divorced. And um, at the time I was running a custom residential design construction company and I worked with people building very high end, beautiful homes. I was in Lake Forest, Illinois area. And so everything that surrounded me in my life at that point was about external gratification, making things look pretty. And I remember thinking I was designing these, you know, $300,000 kitchens for people that don't cook they would order food out or have it catered or, or whatever. They're like, oh, just, I don't really, I don't know what features that stove needs. I don't cook, right? But make it a $50,000, you know, something crazy. Yeah. And I remember thinking, this is nuts, right? Mm -hmm. But that was the life I was surrounded in. And so at the time, I, we'd also, um, I think I had looked at my marriage and knew I wasn't happy, but thought it was every external possibility. Like we didn't get enough exercise. We didn't get enough sleep. We didn't eat well enough. Uh, the house wasn't organized enough, you know, the, the kids were overscheduled. Like there was a, a, an excuse for everything. So systematically I had gone through and um, my husband and I had remodeled our house until there was another thing left I could do. I had like, it was beautiful. It's what I did for a profession. 
We had even landscaped the whole yard and put an additional back. Like we've done everything to our material You're existence. You're my life. Yeah. <laughs> our material existence had become perfect. Yeah. And it was in that moment when we, you know, did the last details. I went, wow, I still don't to fix anything and that also coincided with all with the other pieces of these so then you know my perfect house I had put together that had even an art room in the basement with you know beautiful stuff for my kids phenomenal playroom like we all had a dream home at that point um and I realized I'm not happy I need to get divorced we won't be able to keep this house I don't know what my life is supposed to look like it all just ripped apart yeah. and the dog died oh. so it was like <laughs> you, you enter, it all yeah. just fell apart you enter the dark night of the soul yeah and we all have to go through that process it's mm -hmm. like the the caterpillar enters into this cocoon where things begin to fall apart yeah and what it is begins to dissolve right because you cannot have a butterfly without mm -hmm. the dissolving of the caterpillar yeah so it was about seven years yeah. of yeah life breaking me down and breaking me down and breaking me down until I do remember there were there were several mornings I got up out of bed and I literally yelled at the sky I said God either kill me now or get the hell out of my life I don't do this anymore and I was really serious about it I'm like I'm not taking my own life because I'm pissed at you and I'm not giving you that that's <laughs> it up right yeah. that satisfaction of you of, you know I'm taking it but I'm like if you are gonna just just kill me now or stop this. You know, it was one of those things where, you know, in hindsight, when you hear what you said, you're like, wow, I had cracked wide open. I was just this mess on the floor kind of a person. But it was, you know, a single parent with two kids. I was working 60 plus hours a week. Yeah. And not a single thing in my life was easy or working. Yeah. And it had to happen that way. Now I can see it had to happen yeah. that way. In the time, I was so angry, so hurt. My frequency was so low, you know, my relationship with my ex-husband was beyond toxic and all the people coming into my life were toxic. Yeah. That was yeah. drawing it all in. And now I understand why. Yeah. But you were the was, core toxic one there. Yeah. Drawing to you everything to reflect yes. back that toxicity because yeah. we're projecting the world that we see. Mm -hmm. And you're a student of the Course in Miracles because that's what we're doing right. this year during yeah. the, the spiritual mastery program. Yeah. Um so it has been more of this whole year that has enabled me to look back on all of those pieces of the puzzle with a level of understanding and compassion for the journey that I did not have. So that has been one of the things I've really gained. Um, and the momentum for that has happened since I moved to Georgia. It was almost like I'm plugging myself from that toxic environment and starting here allowed that shift to happen because I could see, yeah. you know, not that I felt like things should align or, or somebody would buy me a house that I could rent. And it, there, it was just, I was amazed at the goodness of all of that compared to where I had come from. Yeah. So it made me more aware of the universe and its power. And that we're aligning mm -hmm. with a benevolent Creator, we're aligning yeah. with this this incredible source of love and mm -hmm. potential, and it's supportive. Life is meant to be fun and easy. Yeah. So we have to break down yeah. all of the ways that we constructed it as yeah. hard and difficult. Yeah. Um, and miserable. Yes. So the deconstruction happens. You come here. Yeah. And you're reconstructing. Yeah. So 
what have been some of the profound things, like you said, this year, mm-hmm. now through A Course in Miracles, understanding, realizing that you're entitled to miracles, right. realizing right. that your purpose is happiness. Yes. Um, the, can, the biggest thing was that life is not coming together to hurt us or to um, teach us negative lessons. Life is coming together to help guide us in a positive way. It's lessons of love and compassion. And it all depends how you want to look at it. You can look at life as happening to you or it's happening for you. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the biggest shift that's happened is that everything that happens now, I don't go. It's, it's not, you know, when, when, bad things happen, I don't look at them as bad anymore. I think, oh, okay, well, this is a growth opportunity. What do I want to learn from this? How can I look at this differently? And I don't want to go back to the place where things stress me out and make me unhappy. Mm-hmm. It's a very uncomfortable place to do it. And it happens now and then, but as soon as it does, you're like, okay, this is bad. This, I don't like how this feels in my body. How do I shift this to a different, higher mindset? And so that's been a really interesting thing in the the biggest awareness too is that I think I spent a whole lot of my life trying to force fit and control and manage Mm -hmm. my life. When, when you can stop and you can surrender and you can allow better things actually just happen and you aren't trying to force anything. It just naturally flows. So I think until I came to Georgia, I had really been trying to force my life to look like the way I want to look and make things happen and, and, them into what I want. Yeah, but that's part of the conditioning. Mm -hmm. The unconscious conditioning is we have to push through it. We have to make it happen. We got to work really hard. We've got to, thanks Diane for your sweet comment. We've got to make it happen. This is the only way that it is, uh, that it's possible for us to enjoy happiness, enjoy Mm -hmm. ease is you make it happen, which is what keeps us chasing something. Mm -hmm. Because actually, the happiness is the alignment with the part of us that is just happy to be on the planet. Right. That is happy to have this experience. Mm-hmm. That is happy to, um, oh, I'm, I, I'm getting married. Wonderful. I'm getting divorced. Wonderful. Right. It's just part of the experience. Yeah. Um, and to align with that happy self, mm-hmm. which is not a happy ha-ha self. Mm-hmm. It's a place of neutrality yeah. where everything that unfolds is accepted because true love, unconditional yeah. love just is not a positive negative thing. It exactly. Mm-hmm. It is something that's, that accepts what is. Yeah. So through this year mm-hmm. that you're connecting dots, yeah. what are some of the things that you are realizing is are those characteristics, are those experiences that you are discovering are part of your natural self that you can live in alignment with on a day-to-day basis. Oh, um, gosh, there's, there's so much of it. It's so interesting because I used to take everything personally and now I take nothing personally. It's Mm -hmm. all just life is what it is. And it happens regardless of how we want to take it. We choose that. And that is one of the biggest things is that I get to choose every day what I want my life to look like. Um, from a, am I happy standpoint or am I unhappy about what's going on? And you can always choose to see it entirely differently. And then it feels differently. It, it progresses differently. 
um, the people around you are changed by what you choose. And I've seen that in my children tremendously. Yes. It's like when I wake up a happier person, um, and not just to get out of bed and I smile and act like, you know, Snow White or something. It's just when I get to choose how my day goes with intention because mm -hmm. I want it to be a peaceful existence. Um, and that doesn't mean that I don't handle tough stuff. I do. I just handle it with a totally different perspective. Yeah. It's, it's um, an opportunity. It's not a challenge. And so then my kids show up differently because they're not feeling that energy that I've put out there that affects the whole, you know, everybody around me that I come in contact with. When you can choose a better place, then everybody else around you can rise up as well, whether they know they're doing it consciously or not. Exactly. So it's not that I'm teaching my children to, you know, um, put a smile on your face when you're feeling it. That's not it. It's mm -hmm. their feeling that I'm just choosing when something happens to find a better path or a not blame, not judge, not any yeah. of those things to just allow and see the good in things. And then, and then just have sort of unconditional love for all the possibilities of what life is mm -hmm. going to give you. Well, and something that you've said is so important because we, we don't want to hear that we're choosing the good and the bad. We only want to believe that we get to choose the good and that somebody else chooses the bad for us. Yes. So we're powerless over the bad that happens. Yeah. But the process of becoming self-aware is realize that we have these two ways of perceiving life. We have the conscious way that is in alignment with God, which is a an accepting of our magnificence. It is ac accepting our holiness and our power. Because when we are not conscious of that power, we're using the same power to create unconsciously. So the discomforts that we experience, those are our projections of our disempowerment for us to see how we're using the power. So like Ali was saying, I'm, it, things are either happening to me or for me. If they're happening to you, you're unconscious. You believe that has power over you. If it's happening for you, you become conscious of how you respond to it. The other way, it's going to be a reaction. And it's always going to say that did it to me. But when you respond, you're responding from a place within you that has a, a connection and alignment to source where you can get guidance, where you can receive wisdom, where you can feel supported not only by the universe, God's source through whatever you want to call it, but you literally enlist people that love you to support you to hold that higher frequency for you to be able to use that opportunity to let you know the more of you that you are the worth that you have, the value that you are, all that you bring to this world. And that's such a, an important piece. Now, we're not ready to own that we choose until we've done a lot of the work yeah. that Ali has done. So she didn't arrive at this overnight, as, as she's been saying. Right. This has been a journey of coming into the alignment of that power inside of her. Um, yeah. I was going to say, another one of the big triggers that I just thought of where you're doing it, the big, the big aha moment not a trigger, is that people trigger us, right? Mm -hmm. So I think until this course, I always looked at it as there's something wrong with that person. Look at the way they drive. Look at what they're doing. Oh, they're yeah. pissing me off. They're too slow. Things like that. It has become an invitation to see why I'm triggered. What am I expecting? You know, what is it within me that that's affecting and what I want to learn from that? And that is another huge thing. If people just walked around with only that thought in their head, that don't be irritated or think somebody else is weird or wrong or whatever they trigger you for. It's a reflection of something you need to heal in yourself. 
So it's been a really great process of even just that one piece yeah. makes a phenomenal change in your life. If you can just look at it from that standpoint. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, that's a really simple one. But so many people are so stuck in blame, reaction judgment, and reaction yeah. that they can't look at it that way. And they can never see the role they have in it. Yeah. And so I think it's it's funny. I still get triggered. Driving in traffic is my trigger. I'm like, you know, idiot driver. They're too slow. And then all of a sudden I go, okay, wait a minute. All right. There's a reason I'm now being slowed down because yeah. I don't know what it's going to be for. I don't know what anything yeah. is for, but the universe has my back. And I'm loved and supported. Am, yeah, I'm loved and supported. And yeah. there's a reason I'm not supposed to get to where I'm going five minutes faster by, you know, you know, plowing my way through traffic and whatever. I just, yeah. I get to a place where I surrender, allow, and I arrive in the time I'm supposed to arrive. And then it makes driving in the land much less stressful. Yes. And, and, that's the <laughs> and then the whole life becomes less stressful. And you can just apply that to all the little pieces every day. Mm -hmm. If you just, if anybody ever just looks at how many times they're triggering in a day, and, you know, I think by the time you get to 20, you'll be at like 8 a.m., and, uh, you know, you're like, wow, if I could just shift that for myself and nothing else, what a different day I would have. And yeah. then, exp then exponentially think about what your year would be like if you stopped Absolutely. letting yourself be triggered the same way. Great, great comment. So it's just the simple thing. It's like one little place to start. Yeah. But that's just a tip of the iceberg of the program. So Yeah, and that program that she's talking about mm -hmm. is that spiritual mastery program that I do. It's a one-year program. And right now we're in November. So mm -hmm. it starts back up in January, and I'm starting to take um, – uh, uh, applications, people who want to participate in that, because you have to interview to get into the program. You have to have a pretty advanced willingness to to look at your stuff, because this is a very intense program. It cracks you open. I mean, <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> in a very good way, but it's definitely, you know, you yeah. have to be really ready to face the, for lack of better words, just after telling the skeletons in the closet, yeah. the things that you are not aware of about yourself that are really the controlling you and blocking you. Those are, you know, if you're willing to heal those, they're going to come up and come out. And, and it's a phenomenally life-changing experience. It is. It is. But now mm. I want to switch gears. Um, I want to talk about what you do for others because ah, yes. you are a massage therapist. You are a um, neurokinetic therapist. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, I have NKT in my mind, right. but I want to make sure I said all this. Yeah. You... You help people heal physically. Mm -hmm. Speak to not only what you do, but mm -hmm. how has your awakening, how has your yeah. shifting assisted you in being a better therapist for your clients? Yes. Yeah. My so body, it, spirit is all connected. It is. And it's so interesting because as my um, spiritual journey on a personal level has evolved, it's also my career has done the same thing. And when we go back to thinking about control and stuff, I couldn't have manipulated all the pieces of my life to work the way they worked no matter how much control I thought I have of what I could try and do, it has all been a really amazing journey. And so um, I started as a massage therapist and um, found a modality called yoga tune-up therapy because I was working so many hours a week, I was breaking my own body down. So I went in search of a modality to help myself, which was yoga tune-up therapy. As soon as I finished training on that, um, it was like a two-day, one-weekend course, I thought, oh my gosh, everybody needs this. So I proceeded to take a lot more training in that and I become um, a yoga tuna teacher, certified yoga tuna teacher. And um, 
So in the process of also trying to, to go and travel across the country and take more of those trainings, an intuitive moment happened and I was looking at a catalog and on the right side of the page was yoga tuna training. And on the left side, coming to the same facility was a neurokinetic therapy training. And I looked at that and it was this divine moment of, I need to take that. And I went, what is it? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. That voice right? calling you It was again. the voice. The voice was like this. Yes. And so I looked at it and I looked at this. And at the time, the trainings were about a week apart and they were in California. So I was going to have to go for this four or five days, then spend a week and then take another three or four day training. And I thought, I can't be away that long. I can't do that. But I was so drawn to it that when I um, got a chance, I looked up where was NeuroConnect therapy going? Like where else was it being taught? Because um, I'm here in Georgia and that was going to be in California. And as it turned out six months later, it was going to be in um, Charlotte. And I thought that I can handle. So um, I paid for the program. They sent you uh, a something to watch online, some things to do before the course. I ordered the book, all the stuff. I never opened any of it. And I drove to, I was too busy, drove to Charlotte that day and walked in and I thought, I am not prepared for this class. I have no idea still what neuroconnect therapy is. I don't even know why I'm here. I'm like, I was just there. By the end of the first day, it was the biggest aha moment of my life because it connected the massage therapy piece that I had and the yoga chain of therapy and it solved all of the disconnects and all the problems I was having. Because I would find patterns in the body with massage therapy. And I could figure out how to get them to release by releasing one part of the body, then using another part, and then doing some of this pairing. But it would last two or three days. And everybody would be thrilled that I got two or three days to them. And then they'd come back. So it's still, I've had a lot of people who are weekly clients that would feel good for half a week. And then yeah. their pattern would show back up. And it drove me crazy because I'm like, that connected all the other modalities I had learned along the way and now is what I primarily do and it does it, it works with the motor control center of the brain looks at how people's um, compensation patterns show up in the body either from an overuse underuse injury surgery some sort of rehabilitative process that it gets them out of pain and so I can figure out what the body is firing what it compensated with what it's not able to see and just reprogram that from a neurological standpoint and get them out of pain and back to the function. And it lasts and it's making very life-changing um, moments happen for people that think they might need surgery or something else. So it's been incredible, but it started with that intuitive moment to go yeah. do this. But then as that evolved in my own personal level, um, I now build myself out as an intuitive massage therapist because mm -hmm. as soon as I get my hands on somebody, even when they walk through my door, I start getting downloads on what's going on in the body and I need to look at this, I need to go to that. And, and the hard part with neuroconnect therapy is there are no guarantees what the body decided to compensate with because, you know, in the moment that you needed compensation, who knows what else you did the night before or the day before. Maybe you raked your whole lawn for the weekend. So all your muscles are tired. So the body's going to pick whichever one you didn't use to rake the lawn. So there's no set pattern of what it's going to compensate with. There's some suggestions, but it really is this sort of, um, deep dive forensic study on what did the body do yeah. with my intuitive gifts more often than not 
I'm sent right to the muscle pairings. I don't have to do a lot of the guesswork. It just shows up for me. It's almost like the body highlights it and I hear what's going on. Well, and, yeah, something that I, that. sorry to interrupt mm -hmm. you, that I want to highlight here is that your ability to tune in to your clients is yeah. coming from your ability to have been resensitized to that alignment with the universe, yes. that field, that energy that we are all sharing Absolutely. in. You now are more present to receiving guidance mm -hmm. to be able to serve, which yes. is why I am so good at what I do. Yeah. And I have to do my own inner work and mm -hmm. you can sense what's going on in their body, I can sense what's going on in their emotions yeah. and their, their mind. Yeah. And it exponentially and it grows. Absolutely. The more I've done in this year in particular, it's been phenomenal growth in my work as far mm -hmm. as the clarity with which the messages are delivered to me mm -hmm. and my ability. Like I almost, I, I was so science and, and perfectionist and black and white for so mm -hmm. long um, that to make this shift where literally I just kind of look at somebody, put my hands and go, Oh, it's your psoas. Like for no logical reason, it's this, it just comes to me and what I need to pair it with and what I need to do. It's, it's well, the easy. The benevolent Funny source easy. wants us all to be healed. Yes. So it's giving yeah. those who have become open vessels, open yeah. channels, yeah. the ability to sense what we all need because yeah. it's all about bringing us into alignment, into happiness yeah. so that everybody can have a fun and easy life. Right. So we've yeah. got to wrap this up because okay. we, <laughs> we are here a little bit past an hour. This has been a fabulous conversation. How can people find you? So, um, I'm Allison Pfeiffer, and you can go to naturallywell.com, and it's N-A-T-U-R-A-L-L-I-W-E-L-L.com, and you can schedule on there with me. There's also a link if you want to send me a message. Um, I'm on Facebook, Allison Cameron Pfeiffer, and you can connect with me through there, and I also have a business Facebook page, which is also Naturally Well. Beautiful. Yeah. I am so grateful that you have shared your wisdom with us Thank so you. that we can... Um, have yet another example that if I can awaken, if Ali can awaken, yeah. anybody can do this. Absolutely. There's nothing special about us. Um, and if there is only one thing that I would say uh, is special, and that's not the accurate word, is that we both had the willingness to say there's got to be another way. Yes. And when we opened up to another way, the teachers, the teachings, all of the things showed up in our lives. And Allison didn't come looking for me. Somebody introduced me to her. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't go looking for my teachers. My teachers were being introduced to me. So there is a source that wants you to live your life in alignment with your higher purpose. And the reason is when you give in to being in alignment with your higher purpose, you become a vessel, a conduit that assists in the awakening of all of humanity, that, that assists in the healing of all of humanity. Don't you want to be used for greater good like that? Now, if you don't consciously choose that, you will be used for greater good. Only it's going to happen through tough lessons. But once you face those tough lessons, you will become used for the greater good of all in an absolutely fun and easy way, in a beautiful way where you get to uplift people. And what the world needs now more than anything is those of us who can walk around this planet in the frequency of love, of compassion, of kindness to lend a hand to those who don't realize that that's available because we are being called on a mass, mass level. Everybody is being called to wake up. Why? Because the source of all that is, is the source of love. And it's like, it's time that we stop being immature and we grow up and let ourselves enjoy what we really are. We are love 
and we're supposed to extend it. Thank you so much for being with me. Next week, I have a wonderful guest. His name is uh, Will Carlos, and he is going to share about uh, his journey. So it's going to be a lot of fun having him here. So I look forward to seeing you next week on Align with Lina. And for today, thank you, Ali, for being my guest and sharing your wisdom. Thank you for having me. It's very fun. So delightful. All right, everybody, have fun, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.